You are listening to Subro on the Go, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Practice Group with discussions and perspectives on emerging trends, developments, and best practices. Now let's get started with your hosts, Dave Briscoe and Joe Rich. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Subro on the Go. This is a podcast being presented by Cozen O'Connor and NSS. I'm your host, Joe Rich. Today we have as our guest our um, subrogation chair for our Rocky Mountain region based out of our Denver office, Sherry MacArthur. And we also have Phil Carroll based out of our Chicago office. Phil heads up our materials task force. So today they're here to talk to us about uh, some common product failures that you encounter with plumbing components. So uh, Phil, why don't you start us off? Uh, Thanks for being here. and, And what can you tell us about some of these issues? Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. So when we think about plumbing failures, really what should come first to mind is materials. Because plumbing failures, if it's not an installation issue, all boil down to materials. And Sherry and I will kind of walk you through the two most prominent types, polymers or plastics and metals. From a plastic standpoint, Joe, on the polymeric side, you've seen a shift from a cost perspective to plastics. And that shift has caused several products uh, in multiple applications to have failures. Those applications typically fall into situations of water connectors. And by that, I mean the connections that you see between your toilet and your sink. Those water connectors have several polymer parts or components to them which are susceptible to degradation and failure in aqueous or water environments. And we've seen those, Joe, both from acetyl resins, the resins that are used on coupling nuts that are for those water connectors, as well as the internal plastic components inside those water connectors. Unfortunately, the problems have come down to one of material selection. All plastics are not the same and because of that thought needs to be put in place to make sure that these plastic components and plastic parts can survive in aqueous environments and really what is the main killer of plumbing products at least from a plastic standpoint is chlorine and other contaminants that are in your water system either well or city, as well as situations of the cleaning products that we commonly use in our homes. All of those have the potential to degrade and cause premature failures. We also see them in toilet valve assemblies, same issue, just in a different application. When you pull open your toilet bowl, you will see that what used to be a lot of metals is now mostly plastics and again that material selection as to how those toilet valve assembly components perform in that water environment is really subject to attack when you look at the particulate that's in your water system chlorine iron other metals as well as the materials you may use to clean it like chlorine tablets or any other product that helps provide you know, a certain color water or helps to reduce staining. 
So what we're what we're talking about for our listeners, Phil, is is a failure of the product itself due to either its chemical makeup or its design as opposed to installation issues, right? Right. The installation issues are certainly your first stop in that analysis. So a water connector or a toilet assembly. Yes, you would first look at your installation and that would be number one. And if you don't see, and usually those issues are apparent either from the site or certainly from a laboratory examination, then your next step in that analysis should be material failure. Okay, and let me let me maybe take a step back and, and ask you and Sherry, you know, why why do water losses like this matter? I mean, are these a certain percentage of failures and is it a, a big part of the market? Why don't you talk for a minute on that before we get a little bit more in depth into the plastics failures? Yeah, I think when you when you look at the marketplace, you realize that Plumbing failures make up a large percentage of overall claims, overall failures, and those percentages have, from 2014 to 2018, ranged upwards of 50% of the overall claim volume. And because of that, the importance of this type of discussion and therefore this type of analysis can't be overstated because we need to be able to capture and identify not only the installation issues, but also not to discard the claims when there may be product failures. And that's what is really become apparent when you look at the data from homeowners' claims. So, so this percentage that you're talking about, it, it's, a percentage, it's a percentage for homeowners' claims, right? Okay. So what we're looking at is, if I'm understanding what you're saying, Phil, that the material makeup of these various plastic type components that you find in your home, um, whether it's the the screw on end of a water line or a toilet valve assembly, um, it's the material itself that has some sort of defective condition or defective makeup? Right, it can be a situation where it's a recipe issue, meaning the manufacturer or designer didn't put additives, add things to the recipe to allow it to withstand the aqueous or water environment that it is positioned in, where the application in which it's being used. And then there's also situations where that design may not uh, be suitable because of the way in which water attacks that surface. So for example, in acetyl-resin coupling nut failures, not only is there an, a recipe issue in the fact that that acetyl-resin is subject to chlorine degradation or chlorine attack, there's also an issue of the thread geometry, meaning that the threads that are utilized for that coupling nut to screw on to your sink or to your toilet are such that it is a geometry that is so sharp that that resin, that acetyl resin, is susceptible to cracking and premature failure, even if installed appropriately. What about what about water filters, the plastic housings for water filters? Sure. So when you look at those, it's a very similar type issue that comes up. Those look sort of like a canister or a bullet shape. 
they are comprised of a polymer where they are assembled in a way that is heated between three different sections. Basically the top and the bottom, ca the canister is one or two separate pieces and then the, the body is a third. And what we've seen is that the way in which that is assembled can cause circumferential or horizontal around the, cir the circumference of the body or at the transition between the top or bottom caps and the body causing failure. That's not a product of installation. It's not a product of misuse or sometimes as that manufacturer or manufacturers may say, it's a product sometimes they claim of failure to maintain or replacing the filter. None of those actually are true. What it really comes down to is, again, an issue of material selection. And it, it sounds like with those water filters, it's also, if I could use the phrase, a fabrication issue. You yeah, know, that's exactly of... right. That's the, that's the right way to talk about it, manufacturing or fabrication. It's the way in which it's assembled that really tells the tale of the failure scenario. And, and these are all sort of long-term investigative issues that you need to explore long after you've, you know, documented the scene, right? Yeah, and I think that's why it becomes so important to have this kind of conversation because it's not something that's readily apparent. You don't walk into that kitchen and see that water filter or see that water connector and go, I know exactly what the problem is. You may be able to look at it on the water connector side and say, well, it doesn't appear to be installation, but it's very difficult to see that for a water filter. You would see a crack and wonder maybe if it's an issue of abuse. Somebody hits it because it sits under the countertop, or it may be a situation of failure to maintain it. So that is not a, a failure scenario as it relates to the water, uh, sorry, as it relates to the, the under sink water filters that is readily apparent unless you are taking the step to, to do a laboratory examination. And that laboratory examination is more than simply a general engineering review. It typically would require a polymeric or a plastics expert who's familiar with the fracture surface or fracture analyses that would be able to allow you to determine what the true cause of that failure is. So let's use that to transition a little bit here to, to you, Sherry, and talk about how sort of these same concepts apply to um, metal product failures in plumbing components. Sure, Joe. So I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, what we refer to as dezincification of brass materials. And to discuss it, it's helpful to know um, as a starting point, what exactly is brass? And that typically is going to be a combination of copper and zinc alloys that then have additional elements put into the mixture by the manufacturer. And those can include iron or tin or lead. And as Phil said, with the product manufacturers, it's a material selection issue that we have. So manufacturers like to use brass because it is cheap and it is easily machinable. So they can make it into various sizes with different diameters and different thread screw configurations. So what happens is dezincification, it's actually a type of corrosion uh, where the zinc 
will leach out of the brass component part due to a chemical reaction between the water and the brass fitting. The leaching of the zinc from the brass results in the fitting being more brittle. So over time, and again, this is that same concept that Phil talked about, it's not a fast-acting thing. It takes time for this condition to develop. But what happens is that fitting will become more brittle because there is less zinc in it. So I like to think of it as a sponge. You have a sponge, the exterior shape of it is not going to change. But within that sponge, you see holes. And those holes are basically the zinc that is leached out of the brass fitting. So as more and more leaches out, you get more holes, it becomes more porous, and then it becomes more susceptible to fracture. So a lot like, so a lot like what Phil is describing, with the polymers and the plastics that um, these are not obvious deficiencies that you would see immediately at a loss scene, right? That's correct. And as an initial matter, the consumer or the owner of the property where this fitting is installed may not even know that this is happening because it's happening on the interior portions of the fitting where the, it's being exposed to the water. So the exterior shape will remain the same. But when you put one of these under a digital microscope or in some kind of scanning electron machine, you will see then the porous holes that are, are there in the metal alloy. The risk of dezincification, because the material is actually leaking out of the fitting, is contingent upon and varies depending upon how much zinc the manufacturer puts into the product. So if you have less than 15% zinc in the fitting, there's a pretty low risk that this condition is going to occur. But as that level of zinc increases, the risk increases. And typically once that level of zinc gets over 28 to 30 percent, you have a fairly high risk of a product being susceptible to desincification. And and this is something that you're going to have to investigate, you know, again, like a long-term investigation. You're probably going to need uh, materials scientists of some sort to assist you and to take a sampling of the material and and, and, and run it through um, scanning to determine what it's actually made of, correct? That's right. They can A metallurgist or some other material scientist can p- put the fractured fitting into their equipment and actually get the percentage makeup of how much of each of these alloy elements are in the fitting. Um, and what's interesting, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. It's been around for decades, yet the manufacturers haven't taken steps to you know, really make a better and more robust product. Uh, it, it's an easy problem to fix. Uh, what the manufacturers can do is just simply add a little bit of arsenic into their alloy mix, and it will be what we term uh, desincification resistant brass. And then that risk is much lower. Well, just to wrap up here, because we're coming to the end of the podcast, um, I want to thank you both. And it sounds like the overall theme, the takeaway um, from the two different types of materials, plastics or metals, is that uh, they're not obvious failures and that um, you will need to do some investigation on, on the back end 
but there are definitely avenues that you can pursue with the material makeup or the design or fabrication of these products. So I want to thank uh, you, Phil, and you, Sherry, for joining us today. Um, and uh, for everybody else out there, we hope that you'll continue listening to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.